Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, we got a little uh, Pistols Firing Podcast after dark going on. There's about a minute 43 left in Oklahoma State's game against Texas in the Big 12 tournament. Does not appear the Cowboys will be making any barnstorming-like comeback, scoring a bunch of points late, Colby, because they can't score very many points. So it appears that their uh, regular season is over and now we wait to see uh, what happens on Selection Sunday. Yeah, Selection Sunday going to be uh, a sweating sweating Selection Sunday for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. <laughs> uh, yeah, this probably would have been a lot more fun to do last night after, you know, sweeping Bedlam 3-0. That wasn't a pretty basketball game, but uh, you'll take three Bedlam wins in a season anytime you can get it. And, man, it's just the offense. Where is the offense? Where's the shooting? Where's – I mean, I get it. Avery's out. That's your your – your leader, your guard, uh, a guy. Oh, stop it. Avery didn't, Avery had a bad year. Avery did have a bad year. Avery was not the Avery that we all thought he was going to be. I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm looking around Carson. It's like, where is the offense? It's just nothing is working and it has become a really tough watch. Uh, even the win last night against Oklahoma, great to get that win, happy to get that win, shut them down defensively, uh, have even played really well tonight against Texas defensively. But at some point, you just have to be able to score the basketball, and they can't do it. As of right now, recording, there's a minute eight left. Oklahoma State is shooting 27.5% from the field, 15% from the three-point line, and 62% from the free-throw line. Uh, you mentioned where where's the offense? Where's the shooting? Where We've been asking that for six years now. It's Mike Moynton's sixth season coming to an end, and um, I don't know if we're ever going to get an answer to that. Who, who, let me ask you this, Colby. Who needs an offensive coordinator worse, Oklahoma State football or Oklahoma State basketball? It's funny that you bring that up because uh, my family, we've got a group text. We mostly talk OSU sports on it. And I asked about the midway point of the second half tonight. I texted and I said, who had the worst offense the last five games? Oklahoma State basketball, Oklahoma State football. And <laughs> we, we couldn't come to a determination. It's it's equally as bad. And it's a tough conversation to have. Um, I mean, as, as fans of this university, the football season, you come down the stretch, you can't score points. It's hard to watch. It's very deflating for the entire fan base. And then basketball, you know, you have high hopes, and then all of a sudden you can't score the ball, you lose five in a row. Then you win a couple to get your hopes back up, and then you just lay an egg on the offensive end tonight against Texas. It's just, man, it, it feels like one step forward, two steps back uh, for football and basketball right now. And it is it's it's tough as a fan base to always feel like you're treading water and especially for the basketball program it just feels like they're treading water the cage season you couldn't make that stick now part of that has to do with the NCAA BS but we're that's you know it's just now behind us it's just tough it's just tough whenever you have a team that you look at the individual pieces and you think yeah these are some nice players and then you watch them go out and struggle to get to 50 it's tough yeah, it's really tough. And I do want to reset and go back to Bedlam and, of course, talk about the loss to Texas and where this puts Oklahoma State in terms of the bubble situation with the NCAA tournament. We're also going to talk about the spring game getting canceled. Uh, a lot to, lot to discuss there. 
The first is here from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate Chris's uh, sponsoring the podcast. As always, stop by there if you're in Stillwater, and uh, they'll, they'll hook you up with the latest and freshest gear. Um, Colby, let's reset here. They did do what they had to do. They had to beat Oklahoma to have any shot at or I, I say that I tweeted when they beat Texas Tech, Colby. See if you agree with me. They beat Texas Tech, right? They're eight and ten in conference. For me, that was the magic number. You know, two months into the season, for me, I think that historically has gotten you in when you're in a, a big time basketball conference like the Big Twelve. That's before you factor in that this is a historically great Big Twelve. We all remember ESPN came out with the toughest schedules in the country. One through ten was Big Twelve teams. That's why this is literally like the big East in the eighties. And for me, I, I really am having a hard time understanding why they have to make some sort of run in the big 12 tournament to get in. If, if you have a historically great big 12, that's seemingly now only going to get seven teams in to me, that's wrong, but I'm a little torn on this Colby. I don't think Oklahoma state's a tournament team. They're just, they're not any good. They can't score. Their defense wanes at times, and their defense isn't good enough to bail out their offense. And I, I don't. So that's where I'm at, Colby. Coming into the the Bedlam game, I'm torn because I think you go eight and ten in a historically great Big Twelve, you should be in. But I watched the product that we watched, even in the win against Oklahoma and especially against Texas, they really don't deserve to get in. Can can both of those things be true? Uh, yeah, I definitely think they can. They have not looked like a tournament team over the past. I think it's eight games now, lost six of their last eight. The two wins are against Tech, against Tech and against Oklahoma. I, I think the way that you get to eight and ten in a historically great Big 12 and still get left out is you don't beat any of the top teams in the Big 12. I mean, Oklahoma State's best win in conference is Iowa State, who, you know, maybe it was some fool's gold early on. They beat Baylor today. That's a good win. Uh, Baylor has this weird thing going on where they can't win in the Big 12 tournament. They've lost seven of their last eight at the Big 12 tournament, which doesn't make any sense Wow, uh, for a program that is at its peak throughout its history. Uh, yeah, that makes no sense. But I, I think that that's how it happens. You know, you, you're swept by Baylor. You're swept by Texas. You're swept by Kansas. You're swept by Kansas State. If all you're swept, uh, not swept by TCU, but your one win against TCU came with no Mike Miles, no Eddie Lampkin, who now there's some other things going on down there at TCU, uh, making me question whether that's going to impact them moving forward into the tournament. But I, I think that that's how you get to eight and 10 is, and get left out is you only beat all the other unranked teams in the conference, which is what Oklahoma State did. The one winning against TCU, they're missing their guys. When they get their guys back, they run you off the floor, put 100 on you. So, um, yeah, I, I think 8 and 10 in the Big 12, if you just said, told me that at the beginning of the year, does that get you into the tournament? My answer is yes. Sitting here today, March 9th, you know, just a few days away from section, Selection Sunday, I really think it is a coin flip. Uh, there are other teams around Oklahoma State that could make some noise around the bubble. Arizona State plays late tonight against USC in the Pac-12 tournament. North Carolina played uh, at the same time Oklahoma State did against Virginia. They got rolled by Virginia, lost by double digits. Uh, Might have been the same margin of victory Oklahoma State lost to Texas by. And 
if other teams falter, Oklahoma State might get in, but it's definitely going to be a, a selection Sunday sweat. And it's one of those things where I am fingers crossed. I'm hopeful that they get in. And then maybe you shoot it the way you did Saturday night in Lubbock when they seemingly couldn't miss the first 10 minutes of the game. They were hitting everything that they saw. You just never know. I'm hopeful they can get in and get hot uh, with, with the shooting. But if they don't get in, I'm not going to stomp my feet. I'm not going to wave my arms. I'm not going to yell at anybody or scream about how unjust it is. They might get in. They might not. Um, if they do great, let's hope for the best, maybe go win a tournament game. If not, I don't think we can really be all that upset. No, I, I totally agree with that. This is not a case where they sweep OU in the regular season and finish higher than them in the conference. And then OU gets in over them. That's, that's probably not happening. Uh, but for me, Iowa state nine and nine, they're getting in. I think Oklahoma state deserves to be in at eight and 10. I, I really do. Even though, again, I'm like you, I, I won't. I won't lose any sleep over them not being in the tournament. But I will say there's been teams that were thoroughly undeserving over the years to get in. And once they get in, they go on a little run. Uh, you remember all those teams that Dickie V or whoever else would be screaming about doesn't belong in. They inevitably, some that, seemingly when everyone says they shouldn't be in, they go on some type of run. So you just want to be in and, and let the chips fall where they may, right? Yeah. Now, granted, it's probably a, a better caliber of talent, but that 11 seeded Syracuse team a few years ago who had no business being in and they got thrown in just because it was Bayheim and Syracuse. And I think they went to the final four. Those, those things happen. I think they did. Uh, those things <laughs> happened. This team isn't built for that. I'm very confident of that. But the, the VCU, idea of- VC, remember VCU with yeah. Shaka Smart? They were the play in game and everyone they, thought they should didn't belong in. Yeah, the, the idea four. of winning one tournament game, even if you're even if you're just an average to, to mediocre college basketball team, the idea of winning one tournament game, Oklahoma State could win a tournament game because if they get in, it's probably on the 11 seed as a play-in. You probably play Tuesday night. Maybe you get in as a, a 12-5 somewhere in that neighborhood. Those upsets do happen because teams get hot shooting the ball. So, I mean, yeah, I'd rather Oklahoma State make it because you just never know when you get hot and win a game or two, and then all of a sudden what has been a pretty disappointing season and left a lot of people um, feeling like Oklahoma State basketball is just stuck in neutral. I mean, you win a tournament game or two, people feel a little bit better over the next nine months. So, yeah, I fingers crossed that the committee is nicer than they have been in the past, Oklahoma State. Well, it's all moot because they scored 47 points in the loss against Texas. That game has now gone final as we've been recording. They lose 60 to 47. Got hot they, shoot late. A, they, they got hot late to get to 47, you're saying? Yeah. Well, they, it's still a season-low 27% shooting, if that makes you feel any worse than you already did. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make me feel good. Um, it felt that way watching it. I mean, I'm watching the second half. I clocked it because – it got to the point where I'm like, okay, they're they're going to score in the second half, but now we need to actually figure out when it happens. 13:43. It was 13:43 left on the clock when they finally scored in the second half. That's free throws, field goals, whatever the case may be. There was a point in the first half where they had 11 made free throws, only eight points had come from the floor. They just could not score from the floor. Um, there was a stretch early in that second half when over Oklahoma State couldn't score, that Texas also couldn't score. It was, they were stuck at 43-26, to 26, I think, for like four minutes. It was one of the worst stretches of college basketball I can remember watching. Um, it, it was a tough night for Oklahoma State. I, I do want to say, Carson, we're recording the night that they lose to Texas, and, and it was ugly. So, obviously, that that's kind of the tone of the pod. But I, I do think it's important to point out they were on a five-game losing streak going to Lubbock, And most people said, you've got to beat Tech, you've got to win one in the tournament. That's what most people said. 
They beat Tech on the road. They shot the ball really well to do it in front of a raucous crowd that was really trying to will their team on because they still had an outside chance to get in. You beat Tech on the road. You beat OU last night. Was it ugly? Sure, it was ugly. You go get the job done. You go 3-0 and against Oklahoma throughout the season. So I, I know it's a little bit uh, – we're kind of down on them tonight because that was ugly what we just watched against Texas. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't give out some credit for doing what they needed to do in the other two games to where we can even have the conversation uh, about them being a coin flip Sunday night. Yeah. And I, I was, I hearkened back to, and you're right. I mean, to go on the road, win in Lubbock and then be, winning Bedlam any year, no matter the record is, is huge. And I hearkened back to the years that I was covering OSU basketball when Travis Ford kind of had Marcus Smart and those guys. And uh, they were, they were better than Oklahoma. It was early on in Long Kruger's tenure. They were better than Oklahoma, but they always seemingly found ways to lose because Long Kruger just coached circles around Travis Ford. It was, it was, I mean, it was a beating coaching wise every single game. It was so frustrating that Oklahoma State was really the better program at that time, but just could not, could not beat their rival. And it stunk. It kind of put a damper on really large portions of the season. And you fast forward, Mike Boynton is nine and five now against Oklahoma. He's seven and eight, or he's won what seven of the last eight against Oklahoma, and so yeah, like is it frustrating they can't score? Was that game uh, a Mona Lisa that they're going to stick in the in the Louvre? No, it was ugly, ugly, ugly basketball game against Oklahoma. It was really a, a, a giant pillow fight, is what it was. Uh, OU was even more embarrassing offensively than Oklahoma State. I mean, they had like thirty nine points with like a minute to go, and scored like ten in the final minute to make it look less embarrassing. But Colby, you had an interesting stat, right? About about Mike Boynton in Bedlam. How good is he? Yeah, been? and this is it's honestly it's been his saving grace. He has been so good at Bedlam. He is behind only Henry Iba in terms of Bedlam win percentage. He's he's well ahead of Eddie Sutton in terms of Bedlam win percentage because Eddie was great. Kelvin was pretty darn good too. They had some battles. Eddie was very good in Bedlam. Uh, Mike Boynton's been better. He's second best coach. I don't count Brad Underwood one and zero, two and zero, whatever he went. I don't count his thousand win percentage. It's not a big enough sample size. I throw that out. I think that beating OU as consistently as he's beaten them, you, you know, the way that he's won those games, the Cade year going down to Norman, Cade drops 40, you score 90 plus on him. It's a blast. This year, everything else seems to be going wrong. Uh, you know, between regular season and tournament, you win nine conference games. A third of those, a third of your conference wins are against your in-state rival. It's been point in saving grace, Carson, because, man, not a lot of other things have gone right the last few years, but you keep beating OU over and over again, and it's it's just something to fall back on. Uh, is it the be-all, end-all? No. More wins need to take place elsewhere. But as much as we, you know, football, it, it always goes wrong in Bedlam, and that just drives everyone crazy. You, you win some good faith with the fan base whenever you continually beat OU just over and over and over again. And I've been saying for weeks, Carson, if you need to win a game in the Big 12 tournament, hope that you play OU because they're going to beat them down. They might not have beat them down because the shots weren't falling. Uh, pretty continuous theme there, but it was still a pretty one-sided basketball game. Uh, yeah, Bedlam has been Mike Boynton's saving grace. It really has, and – Again, I'm I'm as frustrated as anybody with the offense, and really just we're we're putting our bow on on year six. And I thought there was some interesting quotes that that Mike Boynton gave to uh, Barry Trammell. He was up in Kansas City covering the Big Twelve tournament, and he kind of focused on the fact that uh, you know the headline was you know Mike Boynton knows his Cowboys need to be in the NCAA tournament. I mean, he knows that. I mean, Eddie Sutton made it 
a, a rite of passage. I believe he went 14 out of his 16 years to the NCAA tournament, which is just incredible. Another reason, again, that he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. Those voters should burn in hell for what they did to Eddie Sutton. Uh, that's neither here nor there. But, um, you know, he gave an interesting quote to to Barry uh, about, you know, the, he's realistic, Colby. He, he knows the expectations. He knows what he has to do. And he gave this quote saying um, about the NCAA stuff. He said, some of it sounds like excuse making. I get it. But all the stuff is real in terms of, you know, two of the years they weren't even eligible to go to the NCAA tournament. Eddie went 13 of 15 years. That was the, that was the number. And he said, uh, Mike Boyne says, quote, at the end of the day, Chad, meaning Chad Weiberg, athletic director, Chad at some point is going to have to make a decision whether he wants to do something the fans are up in an uproar about or we're going to have to get it figured out and make it easier on him. And that, that to me, I can almost hear Mike Boynton giving that quote. It's, it's totally true. It's totally forthright. It's honest. And you just kind of nod your head like, yep, like Mike Boynton knows the stakes. He knows he needs to make the NCAA tournament. He knows that they don't get in this year. The clock is, is ticking on his tenure at Oklahoma State, and he's got to go get it done. And he's done the hard part. You know, he talked about recruiting. He's like, we're not Kentucky. We're not here for the one and dones. We're here for the Caleb Boones and Avery Andersons of the world. And to his credit, they have the ninth-ranked recruiting class in the country, which Boynton says you can't win without recruiting. He says if you can't recruit, you can't do the job. So it's he's in a weird spot, Colby. And I will hear any side of this argument. It's your six. His offense is terrible. He's got to go. I'm, I'm not saying those people are wrong. I'm also hearing the people saying, you know, two of those two of those six years, he wasn't even eligible to make the tournament for reasons that were out of his control. Even though he did hire Lamont Evans, that's that's arguable as well. And he was recruiting the lights out, which we've always wanted at Oklahoma State. Remember Colby, all the people saying you just you just can't recruit to Stillwater, you just can't do it. Well, Mike Boynton's been laughing at all those people, so I, I'm really torn on this, Colby. I really am. Um, where do you stand? I'm torn. Uh, I'm, I'm not torn yet after this season. Uh, you, you had, after watching that offense, you're not a little bit torn. Not yet. Are, are you talking about like on, on whether I think that he should come back for another season? Because I definitely think he should be back for another season. Well, yeah, I don't think that I, I'm not torn on. They should fire him today. You know, the Jersey numbers have changed. The players names have changed. That's those field goal percentages have not. I mean, I'm not kidding. They need an offensive coordinator. Maybe, maybe even worse than Mike Gundy. I mean, Spencer Sanders, when he got rolling, they could score some points. I mean, I guess there's been times where Caleb Boone's gotten rolled in a few times this year, but no, I just, I, to me, that's, to me, that's the overarching feeling I have Colby. Like the recruiting has been good. The results and mainly that offense has just been putrid i mean that's been that's been his undoing this this entire tenure at oklahoma state i just i don't know if i see that improving again i still hold out hope that he's the new scott drew in terms of he's just going to overwhelm you with dudes that certainly could be the case this is his best recruiting class besides you know you take out kate cunningham um i don't know just i'm having more doubts about the direction of this program than i've ever had because i've been staunchly people know i've been staunchly in mike boynton's corner i think you know, people used to say, you can't recruit to Stillwater. You just can't do, you can't get guys there. And then you watch Mike Boyne just laugh in their faces on his private jet getting top 10 recruiting classes. So I, I don't want to give up on that. But if I have to watch what I watched tonight against Texas for the next three years, I'm done. I, I'm tired of watching the, the, the lack of offense. I really, I really am. Yeah, it's tough. At some point, they've got to score points because 
I, I think even fan bases can handle it a lot better if you're losing 78 to 76 than whenever you're losing in the upper 40s, low 50s. Uh, it just doesn't work. It's it's a hard watch. Um, you know, these teams, their their identity, their mentality has been, let's be tough on defense, let's shut people down, and then find some offense from there. But you're not finding the offense and, and the shooters. I mean, where are the shooters? Um, you know, you dig down into this into this class. This is a really good class that they've got coming in. But are, are you expecting true freshmen to come out and be reliable shooters? Maybe you are. Maybe you think true freshmen are going to come in and you can put them on the arc and they can reliably shoot. It is 2023. And in 2023, if you cannot, as a team, shoot the three ball, you just can't consistently be successful. And that doesn't mean every night. That doesn't mean 33 times you're going to go out and light it up from beyond the arc. But you've got to be at least a serviceable three-point shooting team in the modern era at just about any level of basketball if you're going to compete. And this team has not been a consistent three-point shooting team. You know, the the Cade year, they were better because Cade overachieved from three, but even the rest of the team still wasn't great that year. Aside from that, there have been a bunch of teams who have just struggled to shoot the three ball, and I, I love the length. I love the athleticism. That stuff really is on display, especially a game like last night against Oklahoma, where, again, you play OU three times this year, and all three were a carbon copy. You can just rinse, repeat, Oklahoma State, more athletic, longer. OU just doesn't have a chance physically to compete. But when you're not playing the OUs of the world, you've got to be able to shoot the ball. And they haven't been able to shoot the ball. So I love the recruiting classes. I want Mike Boynton to be successful. I think – he deserves more time considering the hand that he was dealt and the recruiting class that was coming in. I'd be, I'd be singing a different song if they had the 41st ranked recruiting class. You're getting dudes in the door, but I hope some of them can shoot from beyond the arc because hard-nosed defense, length, and athleticism are great, but it's 2023, Carson, and at every level of basketball, you have to be able to hit threes, and this team has not been able to do that with any consistency whatsoever. No, it's, it's their Achilles heel, and, you know, during that stretch, they won five in a row, like, they happened to shoot it pretty well, which turned out to be a complete anomaly, just like any good shooting stretch they've had. So it's um, now they wait Colby selection Sunday. We'll have to wait and see again. I think the history of the NCAA's selection process when it comes to Oklahoma state is just littered with uh, injustice is the word I think I would use like literal injustices. Like the, the, the most recent example I used was that Trey young year, like, they literally swept OU and finished higher than them in the in the conference, and they don't get in. Um, I, I, I'll always reference that Marcus Smart year that they were really, really good, had a chance to win the Big 12 that year. They get like a five when, they, when everyone had them way higher than that. Like even the good years, Colby, they just have got, gotten really the short end of the seating. So I, I fully expect them to be left out, even though I, I am staunchly – I'm going to be – I'm probably going to be more livid, Colby, if the Big Ten gets like nine teams in and the Big 12 gets seven. And I'm sure they'll reference, well, that's 70% of the league. Well, you can't hold the fact that they have 10 teams against them. Like, just judge them for what they are. So I think they get left out, would say you. It's, man, it really is a coin flip. They threw up Lenardi's um, last four, and Lenardi's not the be all end all. I don't I don't take his word as uh, gospel, but Oklahoma State moved from the second to last team in to the last team in. <laughs> and the first team out right now is Arizona State who plays USC tonight. 
If Arizona State beats USC, I have to assume that they jump Oklahoma State because that would be a, a win. Arizona State as a six in the Pac-12 tournament. USC is a three. You've got Oregon, who's currently in the next four out, but they won earlier today, and they get to play UCLA tomorrow. So if Oregon wins tomorrow, how high does that jump them up if they beat what is likely going to be a one or a two seed in the NCAA tournament? It's, uh, man, there's a lot around them that they can't control right now. I am leaning based on just kind of the way the committee's always treated them and just the way they looked down the stretch. Like the committee's just looking around, actually watching these games, and they've watched Oklahoma State at all over the past four or five weeks. They don't look like a tournament team. I think they get left out, Carson, um, and it's it's going to sting when that five-game losing streak. Man, there were opportunities in there to win games, but I – I think at the end of the day, they're going to end up being the first or second team on the outside looking in. I think you're right. Um, we'll have to wait and see on uh, Selection Sunday. A uh, few more. We'll, we'll get to Twitter questions here in a second, Colby. But um, Oklahoma State, you know, obviously construction's going on inside Boone Pickens Stadium. They've got a heavy-duty machinery in there. Uh, but they have canceled the spring game. They're going to do a 30-minute meet-and-greet, which – doesn't even sound like a meet. It sounds like a, a greet as in like wave as you walk by and then we're out of here. Uh, no spring game, Colby. And and I'll just say this off the top. Like this is like what Mike Gundy's always wanted. I mean, I've, I covered Oklahoma state for years. He's, he's done everything in his power to de-emphasize the spring game. One year, they even literally just held a practice. Um, I've, and I really just, I do not understand it. And look, I got a bunch of people in my mentions saying, it's just a spring game. Who cares? I hate the spring game. I went. It was boring. Guys, guys, that's not what this is about. It's not about you at all. It's about your quote-unquote logo. We got a logo too, right? Well, what do all the big boys do, Colby? They make a big freaking deal out of the spring game. You know Why? Is it to put on an entertaining product for the fans? No, it's for recruiting. It's for, you know, bridging the gap between the end of the regular season and the fall to get you get fans excited to spend money on the program, which Oklahoma State desperately needs. They need donors. Like why people can't get this through their head, I do not understand. Why Mike Gundy can't get it through his head, I will never understand. Mike, you want to you want to be a big boy? You want to have a logo? Have a spring game. And I am not here for all these excuses about the construction going on on the north side, okay? You can keep sending me screenshots of it. I don't care. Go play at Stillwater High School. There's plenty of seats for the people that actually go to the spring game. It's not that many folks. And I was reading the Oklahoma and Colby. They used to travel the spring game all over the place. Bob Simmons took them to like Ponca City one year. You could make it like a caravan style thing. Play a spring game up in Tulsa, Tulsa Union Stadium. Fill that place up, state-of-the-art stadium. Like, I'm not here for the excuses. Oh, well, we had construction this year. BS. Mike Gunny just doesn't want to deal with it. He doesn't want to sit up there and ask be ask questions after the spring game. Why his offense literally can't get out of a get out of a paper bag. Why his offensive coordinator literally can't score a touchdown. Why all of his seemingly starters on offense skipped town and transferred. He doesn't want to deal with anything. He doesn't want to deal with squadoosh. And people on Twitter, they think I'm just, you know, one guy put it, I'm clutching my pearls. No, dude, 
I'm seeing for what it is. It's BS. You want to be a big boy? Act like a big boy. Have a spring game. I'm sick of it, Colby. I, I've never understood Mike Gundy not giving a crap about the spring game. Because again, you know what else he doesn't give a crap about? Recruiting. And you know where it shows, Colby? When they have losing records every single year the last six games of the season. That's where it matters. That's where it shows up. That's why you as a fan should be pissed off about no spring game too. Okay, I'm done. Your turn. Carson, who you good? I'm good. I, I had a lot of people in my mentions sending me construction. Uh, but they have a crane. There's a crane in the way. They OSHA won't even let people near the stadium. That's OSHA vile. Dude, you are missing the point entirely. Fans haven't even sat on the north side for years. I don't even like and I get there's construction, but you can play this game literally anywhere. That is just such a cop out. It's such making excuses for Mike Gundy, and I'm not here for it. I'm done. There's there's no excuses for it. It's a joke. Yeah, I've been reading some of your mentions, and a lot of people are you know calling you crazy because of the construction. When your overall point is Oklahoma State has not cared about the spring game for a while now. I, I personally, Carson, I don't know about you. I'm not a spring game guy. I don't get super fired up for it. You know, the, these towns that pack 90,000, 100,000 in their stadium for the spring game, I think that's awesome. It's never really been my thing, but I also recognize the importance of it for collegiate athletics, for college football, bringing recruits in, getting fans on campus, getting excitement around your program. And I do think that it is a missed opportunity for Oklahoma State year in, year out. And yes, this year, you can blame the construction. That is what you can blame this year. And I know other years, they talk about injuries and all this stuff. And um, at, at some point, you have to draw a line between reasons and excuses, right? I mean, this is the conversation we've been having about Mike Boynton for months. You, what, where's, what are reasons and what are excuses? And I, I don't know. It just seems like the spring game, like you said, is something that Oklahoma State football just doesn't want to deal with. Mike Gundy doesn't want to deal with. It, it seems like a, a miss in terms of recruiting, uh, getting your fan base fired up. I mean, a 30-minute meet-and-greet, unless you've got a kid who is just dying to go meet some OSU football players and coaches, who's going to a 30-minute meet-and-greet? Who's getting excited for, for a 30-minute meet-and-greet? And if you have a kid who wants to go see him, go see him. I, I went to the spring game when I was a kid, went down on the field, got some autographs, took some pictures. It was awesome. I think my mom probably still has those pictures somewhere. It was awesome. Do that. But the rest of the fan base, like, Nobody's getting excited about a 30-minute meet-and-greet. I, I do think that Oklahoma State needs to have a spring game. You're not going to turn out 56,000, 58,000, whatever that place holds. You're not going to turn that out for a spring game. But get 20 or 30,000 people in the stadium, play a real spring game, a real one, look at some of the young guys. Um, yeah, I, I was disappointed to see that it won't be there again. Because, again, even though I'm, I'm not like over-the-moon spring game guy, it's it's something nice in the middle of April. You just look over and see what the young guys look like. That that's where I'm at what's on the, it. What's the what's downside? What what's the what's the downside? Um what is the downside? That there is no it, there is no downside. There is no downside. Like it's it's there is no positive, downside. it's positive public relations. And the reason this is such a sticking point for me, it's just another example of the head coach at Oklahoma State who's making nearly eight million dollars a year doesn't give a crap what you think doesn't give a crap what the fans want doesn't give a crap about anybody but himself because he doesn't want to sit up there and have to answer questions after he was 
a complete you know what to Marshall Scott post game, acted like a complete buffoon, cussed him out, acting like he had to fire people, didn't fire a soul. I don't even know why he was so upset. And he's never wanted to even he doesn't want to mess with it or frankly do his job. I mean, every big time football program in the country is going to host a spring game and Oklahoma state's not. And to me, that's embarrassing. And to me, that's a reflection of how much your coach gives a rip. And let's face it, Colby, based on the results, based on his recruiting track record, he doesn't give a rip about lifting a finger to make Oklahoma state as best as it possibly can be. Or you turn over every stone you do. He caught lightning in a bottle with Jim Knowles' defense. It was a great season. One of the best in school history. He's a great coach. But to me, this is another example of a guy who's a made man and knows he ain't getting fired. And he's just hes just literally telling the administration, I ain't having a spring game. I ain't going to go play at Stillwater High. I ain't going to Tulsa Union. I ain't, I ain't messing with it. And to me, that's a joke. You're making $8 million a year. I agree. I mean, it's hard that, for me. Is that the most passion you've ever heard about a spring game? To me, to me, this Colby, this goes so much further than a damn spring game. It's not even funny. And I, it's, it's just, it's humorous to me. These people are making it about construction machinery being on the field. Like you yeah. guys just do not get it. You don't understand. And I'm trying to make you understand. That's it. Yeah. No, I love your overall point. Uh, I love your passion. I feel like you normally, you're the one who's hanging out listening while I'm on my soapbox. I like the role reversal. Um, yeah. You got I like it. Let's get to, uh, Let's Where'd get the bullets and BBs. Bullets and BBs. All right, I'm ready. I've got my bullet. Carson, this was an easy one. I made a note in my phone last night because I didn't want to watch the Texas game tonight and forget. Can can my man Tyreek Smith get a bullet? Man. Yes. That guy was everywhere. He was like Dennis Rodman on the rebound. I was like, click, go that way. Boom, click, goes that way. Tyreek Smith was <laughs> everywhere. He made those dudes for OU look like they were me out there trying to grab a rebound. I'm 5'8", 140 pounds. Looked like me out there trying to grab a rebound against Tyreek Smith, who looked like, I, I don't even know. I don't even know who to compare him to. He was all over the place. He was playing faster than everybody else last night. He was playing above the rim. It was, um, man, he was fun to watch last night. I, I don't know if, if that's the the best performance he's put in an Oklahoma State jersey probably is, considering uh, a lot of people think that that was the game that might get you into the tournament. Uh, it was a big-time performance from him last night. He was the energy guy on a team that has needed some energy. So Tyreek Smith, great performance. He gets my bullet. That's a good one. I think he's the reason that um, that Caleb Boone was getting some of his minutes. You know, we had a lot of tweets about Caleb Boone, his lack of playing time. I thought Caleb uh, didn't come off very well on TV tonight. That's a hint at my BB. But um, Tyreek Smith was great. I mean, he he would start at a lot of schools in the Big 12, and he really came on at the end of the year, had a great game at Tech, his former school. Uh, so that's a good one. I'm going to go uh, – let's see here. Trey Brewer uh, tweeted us and said, can we, get some uh, can we get some Lindy Waters love on the next pod? Well, here you go. We're giving a bullet to Lindy Waters. He signed a two-year contract worth $3.8 bucks for the hometown Oklahoma City Thunder. And, Colby, it's it's really <laughs> – it's a truly amazing story. And that, that, that term gets thrown out a lot. But this dude was playing in Enid, Oklahoma for a semi-pro team. I, I believe he was driving for, like, Postmates at one point. And that that feeling had to be – even though the Oklahoma City Thunder were just down the road, you know, a little bit of ways, he had to feel so, so far away from the NBA playing semi-pro basketball in Enid and just 
you know, Colby, I got to be honest with you. If that was me, I would have, I would said, you know what? I, I guess I'm just, I'm done playing basketball. It's time for me to get a job. Most people would have just went and got a, got a, a day job. And, uh, he didn't, he stuck it out and, uh, he, it's pretty remarkable. Colby he signs a two year deal for 3.8 million bucks for his hometown team. It's, you know, Hollywood would turn down scripts like that. It, it just, it's, it just seems too far fetched. Yeah, it's unbelievable. The Enid Outlaws, I believe they were called, is who he was playing for uh, during COVID. And now I mean, he's on a two-year deal in the NBA. No more two-way deals. No more 10-day contracts. Uh, really, really happy for Lindy Waters. That is a real feel-good success story that you can get behind. Uh, my BB, Carson, I'm actually going to go a little bit off the wall here. I'm giving my BB to the broadcast team last night on the Bedlam game, and I'm doing it for one reason. And I love me some Fran. I do. I love me some Fran. I don't even know who was on the call with him last night, but it's Fran uh, and, and whoever the play-by-play guy were. And they must have said about 40 times, Oklahoma State fans, you win this game tonight, you're in the tournament. You win this game tonight, you're in the tournament. And I'm like, I, the whole time I'm watching and I'm listening and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, maybe. Maybe you're in the tournaments if you win this game. We don't know that. Other things still have to go right for you to get in. I just, I thought the amount of times that they just hammered home and just kept reassuring the fan base, you win this game, you're in the tournament. You win this game, you're in the tournament. Must have been 30 times they said it. They said it when they signed off. Um, I could not believe how hard they leaned into Lunardi's bracketology and, and didn't acknowledge... I mean, maybe vaguely, briefly acknowledge the idea that it could change. I just, I couldn't believe they went so hard on you win this game, you're in the tournament, when that just simply is an unknown at this point. So for that reason, I'm going to give my BB to the broadcast team last night. That's a good one. I love me some Fran, but yeah, he, he doesn't get to pick his partner, unfortunately. Uh, my BB is going to go to uh, to Caleb Boone. And look, I don't like giving him to guys who play at Oklahoma State, but I mean, Body language was not good. Uh, his minutes dwindled to the end of the year, and then apparently he left the team huddle in a must-win game. Season's on the line. That's just not a good look from, you know, your leader. And I think we, myself included, we we like when he talks trash on on Bedlam, calls oh you little brother, does the too small gesture, run up and down the court. That's all fine when you're winning, and that kind of brashness I, I like. I like that in a player. But it, sometimes it can get the best of you. And I think that's kind of what happened tonight with for Caleb Boone and against Texas. His frustrations boiled over. And sometimes if you're you're that brash of a personality, it can be a detriment. And I, I thought that seemingly was just from a guy watching on TV. So disappointing in for for him. Um, and I think he deserved a BB for tonight. Yeah, no, I think that's a good one. Caleb, he's been a lot of fun to watch at times during his career. Travis Young tweeted in and he asked us a question, his inconsistent playing time and stuff. It's, I think his playing time's inc been inconsistent because he's been inconsistent at times. He's been really good. And everybody looks at him and goes, there's Caleb. That's the Caleb Boone that we want to see that we know he's capable of. And then he goes into these ruts. And like you said, the body language uh, isn't great. And it, it just, it feels like he's swimming upstream and can't, can't find whatever it is that at times makes him such a good player. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's good tonight. I really hope that they get in the tournament uh, because I would like to have – I would like him to have a chance to end his season better than the way he did tonight against Texas. So, I hope that they get in and we get to see a little bit more Caleb Boone. Yeah, 
I agree. Uh, ready for some Twitter questions or knock Let's the rest it. of them out, I guess. Yep. Uh, Co- Cody Nagel, friend of the show from 247 Sports, does a great job covering Oklahoma State. He said, what three things are you looking forward to seeing in the spring game? Uh, Squadoosh, zero. I'm looking I've forward to... That. I'm looking forward to looking up Oklahoma State's recruiting ranking and wondering why it's so terrible yet again because seemingly not turning over every stone, not putting the work, the effort that's required into it. Mike Boynton's on private jets pulling in top 10 recruiting classes. What's Mike Gundy doing? Uh, one of, I, I will say some of my favorite spring game moments, though, was Brandon Whedon running the Zach Robinson offense and just playing Alex Kate completely off of the field. Everyone in attendance knew he was the better quarterback, and then Alex Kate ran out there first against Colorado. That was that was humorous. Um, that's about it for my spring game memories, Colby. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, don't it's, even, I don't even have three. It's humorous because Whedon and Randall and those guys led the comeback. It'd be a little less humorous if they hadn't beaten Colorado. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, it's not about the spring game, folks. It's about your football program. That's all this is about. Here we uh, go. Sam, what else we got? Sam uh, Butchert. Butchert? Um, sorry if I mispronounced that says if Oklahoma state makes the tournament, if what do you guys think is their realistic ceiling for how far they go ceiling Carson? Uh, maybe win one game. That's the absolute ceiling for me. I mean, look, could they, could they get a good draw and you get CSA in there again? CSA has been very limited in terms of his impact lately. Um, yeah, I mean, Winning a game, I just i I can't see with their lack of offense, Colby. It's just, it's just hard, and they're not a good free throw shooting team either. Um, so, I I say their ceiling is winning one game, which is again why there's no reason to really get worked up if they get left out. Yeah, I, I think the ceiling is one win if you get hot shooting the ball. I, I don't think it happens twice. I certainly don't think that they're a second weekend team. Um, yeah, you just you have to be able to score in the tournament. You have to be able to win close games. The the belief that you can win close games. They beat Tech on Saturday, but I mean you're coming in losers of six of eight, uh, and one of those wins, the one against Oklahoma, was was sloppy and ugly. So um, yeah, I'm not over the moon about that. What else we got on Twitter? Uh, we got a question about uh, let's see here. Uh, this is from uh, Ryan the Great, sports fanatic. Uh, thoughts on Cowboy baseball so far? Also, as a freshman, how high is the ceiling for Nolan Schubert, in your opinions? I haven't – I mean, honest, Colby, I haven't dove into baseball yet. Now that basketball's just about over, I'll I'll, I'll dive more into OSU baseball. Uh, I've been following along with baseball. I haven't been able to make it up there yet. I'll do that whenever it warms up uh, just a little bit. The back-to-back wins against Arizona State earlier this week were really nice. That was a good way to start. Uh, as far as Schubert goes – First of all, that was a big get. He was initially a Michigan commit. He was on one of the best teams in the country. Um, he was a, a USA uh, baseball young gold medalist. Um, I, I know that I, I said that wrong and somebody's out there losing their mind. But um, I, I looked all this up <laughs> earlier about Nolan Schubert. I wanted to educate myself on it's Nolan late. He was a really good player. It is late. I've uh, My alarm's going off in about six hours to drive to Colorado with an 11-month-old. So. Oh, Lord. Yeah, it's it's going to be a day. Tomorrow's going to be a day, but we'll deal oh, with gosh. that when tomorrow gets here. Um, baseball team looks really good right now. I Nolan Schubert, I I don't know. He might not have a ceiling. I mean, the basketball team's got a ceiling of one win. Nolan Schubert, he's got a much higher ceiling. He could be a really good player physically. Uh, he's built pretty well for a true freshman. So hopefully he's around for a while, and hopefully the baseball team can really try to make a run. This is a program, uh, baseball and softball, I feel like, both sides sometime in the next five years 
come on, fingers crossed. Let's get that magic run. Give us something to get fired up about in the spring. I, I think that the, the potential's there. I do too. I, I think this, this spring is about as excited as I've been in a very, very long time, not only about baseball, but also softball. I think this spring really, really has a chance to be special. So I'm, I'm fired up too. And I can't wait to get up. I still haven't been to a bright stadium yet. I gotta get up there, man. Wow. That's why I didn't realize you had it. By the way, Schubert, true freshman, uh, leads the team in home runs with five. He's hitting 372 so far. True freshman. That's pretty outstanding. I, I already missed the big fella. What was his name last year? I already forgot his name. He was only oh, here one year. Um, big fella. Yeah. People are oh. screaming at this podcast right now. See him in my head. He's, he's hitting a home run right now. Oh my gosh. I oh. forgot it. That's going to, let me go to the Oklahoma State baseball roster. This is good radio. Uh, we can't remember his name. Griffin. Griffin Dershing. Griffin Grif- Dershing. God, he was like a he was like a comic book character bashing home runs. I missed that guy already. So I missed that guy already. He was unreal. All right, Colby, you got a long day ahead of you tomorrow. Appreciate you joining me. Anything else before we get out of here? Uh fingers crossed for Sunday night. Yeah, I I won't be holding my breath. I'll put it that way. Fair enough. Carson, good stuff. Appreciate everyone listening and tweeting as always. Uh, Y'all are the best as always. Go Pokes!